the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and everywhere you get your podcast on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Um, whoo, boy, got a little tight there. We are, uh, we are coming to you just before midnight, uh, central time here in new Orleans and specifically from the Gosh, winning God. coaches, press box, uh, coaches, uh, office, press box booth, excuse me, uh, here in the press box at, uh, the Superdome. Washington, do we want to go chronologically or reverse? We got to talk about what we just saw, right? 37 31, Huskies get no. the win, hold it out. Um, no. Danny, we saw a pretty incredible performance from Michael Penix. Should that have been the Heisman Trophy winner? So I, I thought that when we were watching that game, but I also, do you remember the conversation we had after Jaden Daniels won? And I was like having mm-hmm. buyer's remorse on the voters remorse because I yeah. voted for Jaden Daniels, but like in the immediate aftermath, I was like, man, did I do the right thing? Like, did I get the right guy? Man, he made a strong case. Like Jaden Daniels is incredible. He had a phenomenal season, but I do think winning some of these games, the season he had, the thing that was remarkable to me or how many, like I was blown away with how many people didn't realize Michael Penix was an incredible quarterback. Like people are like, Oh, this guy can really spin it. Like, look at this guy throws a great ball. I'm like, well, welcome to West Coast Pac-12 football. Obviously, you've never watched a Washington game because if you've watched them at all throughout the last two years, you'd realize the dude can absolutely sling it. So, yeah, I mean, should he have won it? Uh, you can make an argument, something that will go there. Tom says no. Nope. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, it's a little bit of revisionist history. You don't want it to be a recency bias. It's not the uh, MVP of the playoffs. It is the Heisman Trophy for the regular season. So, 
But in any case, I think he made himself a lot of money. He's been doing it for the last two years, though, so it shouldn't be a shock. Yeah, I I, like I didn't vote for Penix. He wasn't on my ballot. And it's nothing about Michael Penix not being a great player. It's just that he disappeared for like a month. Like he had a bad month of the season. We can't just ignore that. While there might have been injuries or flu reasons for it, he had bad games. Washington scraped by barely because of it. But tonight he was phenomenal. And tonight his number one target was the person who was on my Heisman ballot, Roma Dunze, who caught six passes for 125 yards. Jalen Polk caught five passes for 122 yards. Jalen McMillan, who's been battling injuries all year, five catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. So, like, this is just a very complete offense, and Michael Penix is at the head of it, and he orchestrates it, but he is far from, like, the only, you know, instrument in this band. It's it's an orchestra. Yeah, it's it's perfectly in tune. I, I just, I watched it tonight, and I'm like, man, Texas zero sacks, three tackles for loss, all for basically minimal yards. They're constantly moving forward. Everybody knows where they need to be. Like everybody turns around in their spacing concepts at the right time. They all catch the ball all the time. Like, did they have any drops tonight? Not that I remember. Oh, the, did the Washington wide receivers? Yeah, there was one. So in one. the second half, um, Penix had 11 straight completions yeah. in the third quarter. And then the first incompletion was just a downright drop. Mm-hmm. I mean, he delivered it go. like right on the money. And then there was a drop. But like to your point, it was remarkable how there were times where that young Texas secondary ha- ha- did what they should do. Right. Like they, they were in good position to make a play on the ball. But all those wide receivers are so strong and their hands are so good that it was there. It's like, mm, yep, no, this is mine. It was amazing. It it really it, it feels like everybody on Washington's offense plays with such great purpose and and they're just so cohesive. Like everybody knows the exact goal of every play. Like they know why they're in this formation, why they're going to motion or shift into this formation, who's probably going to get the ball here based on this look, when the ball needs to come out. Penix did a great job tonight, I thought, sliding in the pocket because Texas occasionally got some pressure on him. They never actually got him down and either scrambling out or getting his eyes back up really quickly. I mean, he threw dimes all night. They they were like 40-yard handoffs at times. And Washington's receivers make contested catches just nonstop. It was Mm -hmm. awesome to see. Like The the first one down the field is a dime by Penix. The, The second one is just a great catch by a Dunze with a guy kind of draped all over him, right? It wasn't even necessarily the best throw. They just caught the ball. The, the one Polk uh, catches right before the half, the chip point, DB's all over him. DB tips the ball up in the air. Steps into the end zone and catch this thing. So they do such a great job of creating space, and Penix really knows who's going to be open. It's like watching a really good seven-on-seven team that plays together all the time. And occasionally, like, we see this in seven-on, right? It's usually a team that has, like, nobody who's decent going to college, but they all play together. They're, like, just super kind of open Frisbee-looking. Except these guys got some pros on this team who play like that. And just if you're not dropping balls and you're not taking negatives, you're always moving forward, you're changing field position, it's it's a fun thing to watch. And to Tom's point, like, he looks healthy. He didn't look he didn't look right for shoot like probably a month, maybe five weeks there, kind of from like Halloween to maybe Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And, and then they used him in the run great. game tonight. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which and is he, a concern with Dylan Johnson going down again. But mm-hmm. uh, that offensive line played really well. Yeah, because like he's never been a statue, but they did not use him in the run game hardly ever in the regular season. Like he had scrambles, but there were not designed runs for him. And there were designed runs for Michael Penix tonight. So you can kind of just tell that month off did a body good for him. But like the other funny thing to me about this game and Chip, I'd love to hear your perspective seeing that you were there if it felt the same way. That game, I thought Washington dominated most of that game. And yet it was a six point game because for whatever reason, Washington is incapable of winning a game by two scores. Cause like it, if the muffed punt in the first half is the only reason I feel like that game didn't like snowball completely out of control and Washington didn't wax them. But it's like every time they had a chance to kind of just step on Texas's throat and put it away, they did something or they just, they settled for a field goal. Let them stick around. Yeah. They had, you know, the kick catch interference. And it's like, then they're giving up the big plays down the sidelines and the fight, you know, they, the injury hell, that's not really, you know, whatever, but like Dylan Johnson gets hurt, which gives Texas time to get the ball back and move the ball down the field. I don't know what it is about this team. They refuse to win by multiple scores. I thought um, the three field goals. Yep. At each did like, I was like, uh Oh, like you're letting them hang around. The stuff at the end, the kick catch interference, um, Dylan Johnson going down, that seemed freaky. Not being able to capitalize, not being able to step on Texas's neck, that felt like a failure. I mean, mm-hmm. again, I don't want to say like a failure in a bad way, but in that moment, you could have not had that all, like incredibly intense, tough end of the game scenario if you had been able to convert those opportunities. And one of the field goals was right after one of Texas's two fumbles, right? Like, mm-hmm. you got the ball in scoring position, and if you'd been able to turn that around and put it in the end zone, you knock them out of the ball game. So They I, also had that drive. They could have helped themselves. Well, Chip, they also had that drive where they only burned a minute 28 on four plays. Like They, mm-hmm. they, 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 they get the, uh, the first down throw, and they throw three more times, and I think it was three incompletes, and then they had, they had the punt there, too. So, like, like they're, they're, to end the game, they went field goal, field goal, punt, field goal, whereas before it had been – Touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, down, touchdown. touchdown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it, it, Texas did bow up in the red zone, you know, quite a bit. I, that's a hard team to put away, put away because it, it's hard to run the ball on those guys. I, I did think Texas, the lack of edge pressure, yes, was big. Like Texas has two studs in the middle in, in, in Murphy and Sweat. Did you see anybody like giving giving Washington problems tonight off the edge? Because I, they I did, did not, not have a Braylon Dreist. Like that, no, that's what they were nasty. Say. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, no, that's a great point. They really, like, I talked this week about how Texas has to get pressure from the interior. And that's all Texas got. I'm sorry if I confused them and they, they thought, oh, that's all we have to do. You have to bring it from everywhere. But yeah, it was, it was, Washington's offensive line did a very good job at the tackle position tonight. Which right, I thought if you give a guy like Penix as much time as he had and the comfort level, which he was, and, Plus, I mean, he he made some pretty dynamic runs as well. I mean, he kind of showcased the, an escapability that was evident when they got close to him. But he, when he has time, I mean, he's one of the best passers in the country. What about the Texas side of this? Um, I mean, look, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I'm not needling, but when Texas got in the red zone, were you thinking now's the time they're going to turn a red zone opportunity into a touchdown when you ranked number 121 nationally? in your red zone touchdown conversion rate coming into the game. But 
I mean, you, I kind of give Quinn Ewers some credit for being able to step up and make some, like, you absolutely have to make this throw type situation. Mm -hmm. So what, what do we make of the Longhorns and their performance in a game where it seems like they were getting their asses kicked and yet they had a chance to win with 15 seconds left? Well, I just thought it was going to be a shootout. Like, I, I was fully expecting a shootout that would come down to the end where it gets a little bit wacky, goes score for score. But when you fumble twice on two of your possessions, you know, like, that because I mean I never felt like they were out of the game, you know, because they've come back before. But I thought the turnovers killed them. Like those were the opportunities for them to go toe to toe and get a score for score, and then they don't, and all of a sudden you find yourself behind too much and you can't come back. Yeah, I think the turnovers were huge. I do think they were better in the red zone than Washington was tonight. I think statistically that'll back it up too. But I, a part of me, I I wonder, and you see this a lot with, you know, quote-unquote grade play callers, you know, like Sarkeesian and Ryan Day got the same thing for years. They kind of get away from the run a little too quickly sometimes. And I think Texas needed to lean more on the run game tonight. I thought they were running the ball very well against Washington, but they didn't run the ball very often, at least they're not often enough in my opinion. I think they were having Quinn drop back way too often, especially considering how kind of shaky he looked early in the game. And just for the most, like he made some great throws, but I would say those, there were far more bad throws than great ones from what I saw. And I, I think that if they lean on their run game, especially with the way Washington was kind of dominating the clock, like you probably, you're inclined to want to get into a shootout because that's what this game's supposed to be. But maybe Texas should have tried to play more of a slower, lower possession game than this. I, I think there's something to that. I, I will say I, I thought two things. The first two drives, Texas ran the ball like pretty effectively. And if you look, go back and watch the first sack that Trice has. So he comes off the edge and beats the, 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 the right tackle. But they end up rolling into the left tackle banks. And he, mm -hmm. he got his ankle rolled pretty good. And I thought in the run game, like where, where Texas was having success early on was caving in that left side. And like Banks did not look like he had the same kind of pep in his step to come off the ball for much of the rest of the game there. I also thought what Washington's defense was doing was somewhat permissive, I guess. Like they stayed in a too high shell as long as they possibly could. They were mm -hmm. allowing Texas to run it if they could, if they didn't get some kind of holding penalty or some kind of tackle for loss, right? If they didn't, you know, kind of miscommunicate on a twist or a stunt, which inevitably they kind of would. And for the first 40 minutes of this game, Ewers did not have a pass of more than 10 yards in the air to a receiver. Like they never got over the top until very late, which is kind of you know, pretty surprising, honestly. They had the one, I think, to Baxter that he dropped, right, that, that they schemed open. But it felt like we see this a lot. Texas, they scheme it open. They have all the kind of nice eye candy. They throw the moon ball. Nobody's around the guy. It, it, it's, it's a walk-in. How many of those did you have tonight? It wasn't like you were missed a bunch of those. Just Washington did a nice job of not allowing just the, the coverage bust. It, it was very impressive there. They are um, as healthy as they have been defensively in a long time. They seem to have all their pieces in place, and uh, they, they played really well. Trice was a monster, just an absolute monster in this game. I thought that, uh, that the way that they were able to get after uh, Quinn Ewers the sacks, the tackles for loss. I mean, it was just, it was, we don't, we did not look at Washington's defense as a strength at all. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt like that they raised their level of play uh, in a really big way. 
Um, I mean, it was kind of opposite of what we expected. Quinn Ewers was yeah. banged up more, and Penix was pretty clean all night, which was not kind of what I was expecting going into that game. It was I, not I do the, wonder. Go ahead. Worthy was clearly not the guy, and this is not the reason why Texas lost the game. But I do think they are a different offense to defend if they have him because of all, all the motion stuff they do with him, how quick he is, how you have to account for him. He played. He didn't look, you know right to me necessarily but i mean that passing offense just for most of the game didn't look very good what washington covered it he was uh his side to side was not 100 percent. yeah i agree mm-hmm. the, the cutting it, wasn't there yeah his straight line was still and that was like from warm-ups on it was pretty uh pretty obvious all right <clears throat> coming up on the other side the sugar bowl was not the only instant classic that we had here on an absolutely <laughs> massive college football playoff New Year's Day. Uh, so we'll get into the Rose Bowl, Michigan's overtime win, and our early preview of the national championship game. One week from Monday night, it will be Michigan and Washington. The two teams with a zero in the loss column, they'll play for it all. So we'll get into an early preview of that next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. And, uh, Tom, you were uh, you were... You had this game. You were live blogging it. You wrote it for CBSSports.com. So I'll let you take uh, first first dibs on this one. There, we talked about how the Rose Bowl was just massive because of the teams that were involved, the coaches that were involved, and yet the game itself was clean, good, fun, um, kind of a slog, but still interesting. What, what 
what stands out that uh, now we've got a couple hours or so to remove from it? Uh, Michigan got away with it. Like, they were the better team in this game for most of it. And it didn't matter because they kept screwing up. Like, they muffed punts. They missed field goals. They blew extra points. And they allowed Alabama to hang around. And it's like a thing we've seen a million times with Alabama where a team has a chance to knock them off, but they don't put them out. And then Alabama, Alabama's and wins the game. And I thought that's precisely what was going to happen here, especially when Alabama take kind of, they come out in the second half, they've changed their offense a little bit. They're not, you know, they're, they're protecting Jalen Monroe instead of leaving him back there by himself with like five dudes coming at him from all angles. And, you know, they start running the ball and they're running the ball very effectively. Like they had been running the ball effectively most of the game. It's just the sack yardage was completely kind of skewing the stats a little bit. But they're, they start running the ball. They start moving it and they take the lead. They extend the lead. Michigan's offense is completely shut down. Alabama figured some stuff out. They were very confused, clearly, in the first half by what Michigan was doing. Michigan was coming out with formations and stuff that they hadn't seen on tape. Didn't know what was coming. They diagnosed it fixed it Michigan couldn't do a damn thing like that third quarter Michigan was completely bottled up and I thought okay Alabama's gonna win they're gonna go to the national title game and they'll probably win the national title game but then Michigan marched down the field converted a fourth and two at like what their own 31 was it which by the way kudos to Harbaugh for going for it there because that was the right decision and he had all three timeouts a lot of coaches punt a lot of coaches in that situation are terrified of not getting the first down and giving the other team the ball at the 30 because then they're like, game's over if I don't get this. The game's over if you punt in all likelihood. So they convert it there. They, JT McCarthy gets bailed out by Roman Wilson on a terrible throw. But Roman Wilson makes an incredible leaping grab. Then they score the touchdown, and then they win it in overtime and is a Busted our busted snap on an RPO, which was another theme of the night, and it's been a theme of the season for Alabama. They cannot snap the ball for whatever reason. But like that last play, the QB draw was supposed to be an RPO with a swing pass to the running back. The running back was there. Milrow just freaked out because the ball hit the ground and just ran into the pile, got tackled, game over. So uh, are you sure? Because Saban said it was it was Q, just QB run. Like, like the, the, I think the snap messed it up. Looking he would have followed his guard to the left. It was maybe a walk. Well, because the, the the snap jacks him up, and and it, it's it's they're they're supposed to bend it to the left, and I I think I think Milrow having to hesitate with that kind of running back looked a little confused. If you go watch it, he's like, "What the hell?" Because he was wide open. So I don't know. It might have been Saban might just have been you know covering up for his That's quarterback, kind too. of having a panic attack there. So uh, I just it was. It was a really good game, and I felt like both teams gave it away, but Michigan won in the end, if that makes sense. Yeah. I thought Michigan was the way better team. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and I thought they Except almost on gave it away. Teams. Except on special teams. Yeah, special yeah. teams was a disaster. And even, like, they're kicking the extra point, and you're, like, to tie it, and you're like, oh, my gosh, are they going to make this? That is not a good feeling. Um the J.J. McCarthy throw to Kay, uh, to Roman Wilson was tipped, right? The one, yeah, it was tipped a slight bit that he went back and made that unbelievable catch. And then shout out to Bud, our guy, for noticing what happened throughout the season. It was an issue with the snaps, and Bud pointed it out in the preview, talking about how that was what led to the play 
against Auburn, the fourth and mm-hmm. 31, because of bad snaps. It was wild to me to watch Milrow because after the first couple, he was so freaked out. Like, and you know how hard it is as a quarterback to not like you, you, you're normally you're not thinking about where's the snap gonna go. You almost don't even think about it. You just kind of put your hands there and you kind of use your peripheral. You know it's gonna be around there. But he was like bending over like a like you know how a, a catcher that's catching a knuckleball pitcher. They're kind of like mm-hmm. like I don't know where it's going. That's what he was like. He's like I don't know where the heck this ball is going. And that throws you off your game, and it impacted the, the play of the game. You know, the chance to to tie it up. I mean, it was it was huge. But I thought Michigan was the better team, and I thought their defense had one heck of a game plan. I thought they dominated up front. I thought Alabama's offensive line, which had been a problem most of the year, and we had documented it a lot, showed up and reared its ugly head. And you know, Jalen Milrow tried to pull some you know rabbits out of his hat and he did occasionally and it, I kept wondering if he going to break one off for a 60 70 yard run Michigan just mm-hmm. kind of contained him and he'd get a couple 20 30 yard runs but it wasn't enough um but I, I will say the first drive was a little dicey I mean JJ McCarthy's first pick and you're like oh my gosh is this going to be a blowout for Alabama but once they settled in once the defense kind of set the tone um Thought it was a fun game, but I, I thought clearly Michigan was the better team. That that first play was just a disaster. So if, if you go back and if you guys have this DVR'd, this, the slot on the, the near side of the field points to the blitzer right as McCarthy is looking left to check what's going on over there. He never sees it, mm-hmm. right? And so it's just like he, the receiver knows he's hot. McCarthy doesn't realize it. And he actually had a different guy open later on. I, I thought Michigan was the more physical team, and I thought they just – we're the better coach team, honestly. Like they stayed ahead of what Bama was going to do more often than Bama guessed what Michigan was going to do, right? Like in the first half, the way that Bama played it, I thought that they were basically anticipating that Michigan was going to try to copy what Georgia did, which was actually pretty effective, right? So some of the two spy stuff, not bringing much pressure, kind of just mush rush it, not not a lot of games. And Michigan actually didn't blitz a ton in the first half, but when they did blitz, they got totally free. Like you could tell, like, I'm not saying sign stealing here. That's not what this is, but like they, they definitely knew the five man protection rules for Alabama and they exploited them over and over. I, I think it was Rittenberg for ESPN who said that they only sent six blitzes in the first half and they got five sacks off. Them, mm-hmm. Right. And they were like all free runners at the quarterback. I think I had seven free runners at the quarterback off 15 dropbacks, which is like, if you got a free runner like 50% of the time, that's going to be a major, major problem. And then credit to Michigan because in the second half, I think they correctly anticipated for the most part the adjustments that Bama was going to make. Not all of them, obviously, right? So they stopped playing so many games up front. I think they were a little bit worried that Bama was going to pop in an explosive run, which they actually did get one, right? They played a little more spy. They played a little little more coverage, and they found a way – to limit Bama in the run game zone because Bama started running a lot more. Like they, they they went with more of an attached tight end. They went more to back. They they went more to tight end. They would go they they'd go hurry up and go a little bit more more like like unbalanced off of a first down like they did with with, with the touchdown run. And Bama had a lot of success like like running some of their duo stuff. They hit the QB counter off it, but Michigan was just very disrespectful to Alabama's pass game. They're like. If we're going to lose, it's going to be on Milrow's arm and his head, not his legs. 
and he couldn't do it. I mean, they had 116 yards of passing. That's pathetic for a college ball playoff team. So uh, Michigan had its plan. I think defensively it executed its plan excellent. Offensively, I thought it was like super disciplined to just be like, hey, there's one path for us to win, right? Compress formations, see if Bama wants to stay in man. They're not as good playing zone this year. That's actually what they did. They did the same thing on the fourth down play, right? They they get them. Nobody gets it out there. And I think they have, like, that's very smart to realize, like, your receivers aren't going to win against Bama's corners. That's not who you are. So you had to just kind of stay true to yourself as an offense. And honestly, if they don't have, like, 170 yards net negative on punt and the punt muff, they probably win this thing going away. Yeah, if they don't, if they don't muff the punt in the first quarter, I think they win by two scores. And the yeah, difference in punting, yeah. like, like not even the muff. <clears throat> oh yeah, because it's huge. But like the punt. Alabama averaged. Enormous. Alabama averaged fifty yards a punt. I think Michigan's longest punt was forty-five. So yeah, it's. I mean, the the biggest surprise to me in the game, I wasn't shocked that Michigan's defensive line played as well. Because I mean, I've been on here all year talking about how good that defensive line is, and it wasn't just because it was facing Big Ten offense. It's like it was. It's a phenomenal defense. What shocked me, or not shocked, but surprised me was how well that offensive line held up. Because I thought when they lost Zinter, that was like, I mentioned it during the week. I was like, this is going to be a big problem for them, especially on the right side of the line. And I feel like they did a very good job of filling in for him and covering up for him. And I think scheming things in a way that worked because like the numbers speak for themselves here. Like Michigan had six sacks and 10 tackles for loss. Alabama, the Alabama Crimson Tide had one sack and one tackle for loss. And that was on like an Alex Orgy kind of just, he rolled out to his right and lost two yards. Like it wasn't a sack sack. So you have to give their offensive line a lot of credit. Blake Corum, it was funny. I was sitting there. I I actually said in our Slack, I said, man, like after he picked up the eight yards on the very first play of overtime, he made like a nice little cut, but it was still, I just said, man, I missed the Blake Corum and the stop and go that he had before the knee injury last year. And then the very next play is the 17-yard touchdown where he looked like Blake Corum from last year again. Just to be able to, the ability to stop at a dime and completely change directions without losing speed. So that was really, really encouraging for me to see, especially for him. Because he's had a great year as far as touchdowns are concerned. I don't think he's had a great year. But for him to have that moment, I think, was pretty huge. I thought 53 for, for the Michigan offensive line was really good, and 73 was not. Um I actually don't know what those guys' names are. I probably should. But 96 for Bama, the D tackle, was excellent. And 45, like the uh, the second tight end for Bama, I thought was really good. Like when, when, when they went more of that two tight end stuff, that, that guy blocked his ass off. Also, that McCarthy really wasn't great throwing the ball, man. Like he had a couple of opportunities that he just missed. And then the slots killed Michigan two, two, like two uh, drives in a row. The one time the guy, like, it's a bad ball. If he catches it, you got to keep your feet and get the first down. And the second one, he just drops it. And, like, they, that also changed field position because you went free and out, you know, twice. Like, that's, yeah. I don't Are we being too picky on him? Because I know exactly, like, I, there were some balls that he missed, but there weren't, I mean, the ball, <laughs> there was a couple wide open guys he missed. There were some tight throws he could have made a little bit better throws on. You know, but he did step up and make some big plays, too. He did. I just think it's yeah because you get so few of those good opportunities against Bama's corners because they are that good. Like the misses stand out to me. Like 
I'm thinking like the one I think of there, he had Cornelius Johnson along the sideline and like the very on the second possession, not half the one, not the one where he had the interception that wasn't an interception. Like on their second possession, he had Cornelius Johnson for what should have been like 17 yards. It was the easiest throw of all. That he, and he just overthrew him by like five feet. And I think that was kind of a tendency with JJ a lot tonight. He was overthrowing guys. He was throwing behind guys. There was the one play on third down to Wilson where he hit him and it was complete. But Wilson had to come to a stop and reach back to make the catch, so which caused him to fall down. Whereas with the throws in front of him and leading him, he probably gets another 17 yards down the sideline. It was the same play they ran for the 38-yard touchdown. So I do think he left some yards out there and he could have played better, but they won. I got, I got to run to uh, media availability. So thanks, everybody, for hanging out. I'll, uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, right? And don't forget title game preview. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Title game preview now. Um, yeah. Good transition. No, no, no. Let's wrap up as much as you need. Good. Don't don't take Danny out. Yeah, no, I've got to go to availability. All right. See y'all. Um, happy yeah. New Year. Later to Happy New Year. <clears throat> the, the other thing I thought that, that Michigan did really well here was when they realized the center was having all those problems, they kept playing a nose right over him. Like they just n- never let up. Yeah. It, it's harder yes. to snap, it, it, especially because that guy's probably a first or second round pick, right? So it's like, yeah, you're having an off day snapping the ball. This is not new for you. And now, hey, try to block this guy who's probably going to be, you know, picked in the top 100. Um, that's that's one of those scheme things that we always talk about with coaches. <laughs> hey, the center keeps messing up. Let's mess with him. All right, coach. <laughs> Dude, amazing. Yeah, I just. Good job, Michigan, sticking with the plan. That was good, and and, and figuring out what Bama was probably going to do, and then and, and anticipating having counters for it. Like that's just good coaching. Um, does Saban get another one, or do you think he's done? This is the first time in his tenure at Alabama that they have gone three years without winning a national title. Yeah, I, I saw some like he hasn't won an, a non-COVID national title since 2017, but I, I think that's kind of cheap because like that 20 team, that team was going to win no matter what. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't really count that. Twenty like, games. Yeah, some some of those results from twenty twenty season were kind of fake. I don't think that uh-uh. the actual title team. Was. Nope. It is pretty wild though. Even though they kept the center over them, that at this point in the season, you haven't figured out how to get the snaps back. I mean, I, it's just, and I'm sure that's something that'll drive Saban nuts and drive the offensive line coach because we've. I mean. There have been problems before. Every team I've played on, there's been issues. And you go out and you snap 50 of them after every practice until you get it right. And have it still at this point in the season be an issue, that's just perplexing. Yeah. Do we want to talk about Michigan and Washington? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Like, styles make fights, right? And this is a major – it's just it, it's a major style clash in terms of how they want to attack on offense and also on defense. And uh, – I'm just I'm excited about this. Like this is going to be a really interesting chess match. You got two two coaching staffs that rarely if ever lose. DeBoer is like 114 and 11 in his career. Mm-hmm. That's nuts and Harbaugh just outcoached Nick Saban. So this is this is a fun like what Tom, what do you think really snap call like what, what does this come down to for you? We talked about Michigan was able to kind of shut down Alabama's receivers in this game. They weren't afraid of them. They didn't, they didn't really respect them. They were just like, yeah, okay, let's see what you can do. They can't, they can't play Washington the same way. Like that is the one thing about this Washington team. It's 
you know, I, I picked against it in both games against Oregon. I picked against it tonight in Texas because I look at things on paper and I say, well, this is the more complete team. But like the difference is Michael Penix and three NFL receivers. Can you stop that? Because like they're going to score points. So you can't just get into a kind of slugfest with them and think you're going to win. You're going to have to come in with a game plan if we got to try to score 30. Because I think like Washington will have a much better chance of putting up points on Michigan than Alabama did. Because like you said, Alabama did not respect Alabama or Michigan did not respect Alabama's passing game. It has to respect Washington's. But Dylan Johnson gets injured at the end of the game tonight. Is he going to be healthy going forward? Um, Muhammad, their corner got hurt going diving in that last one of the last plays, and he landed on his shoulder, and it looked like that thing came out. I don't know if he's going to be available. That could be a problem for. Did Washington. he come back in? Did he? I'm, I'm not sure because I, I was trying to watch the last couple of plays. You know, I was too I, busy I, watching I, Chip watching the game. It was kind of weird. But, that was awesome. <laughs> Chip, ten seconds ahead of the rest of us, knowing everything that's happening. But like, so that is going to be interesting to me. But I also think the other thing that has to happen is Texas, as we talked about it, their offensive line struggled with Washington's defensive line. Michigan was able to block Alabama. If they can block Alabama, I feel like they're going to be able to block Washington. But I don't know that we could see there. Can Washington block Michigan? It's going to be the, the it's going to be a really, really interesting matchup because they are two different teams philosophically, and they have like different approaches. Washington's obviously moving quicker. M- Michigan is much more inclined to go slow and just make things, you know, a big 10 football game. So it's, it's going to be, to it's going to come down to which team can dictate the way it plays. Like that's really what it's going to come down to. And also can, you know, Michigan not screw up every special team snap or can Washington not screw up special team snaps? Cause Washington muffed a punt tonight. Washington committed a kick catch interference tonight. I don't know. It's going to be a great big 10 game. I can't wait to watch it. I think it comes, I mean, we just saw Michigan get after Jalen Milrow six times. He was clearly uncomfortable, but the Alabama's offensive line was a problem all year. Washington, it is the strength. So it is one of the best strength versus strength matchups. I think we might see all entire, the, the entire season. I think if you're Michigan, you really got to pick your spots when you try to, when you want to try to bring pressure because you, know, I, you I think, you were worried about one receiver really hurting you in Jermaine Burton for Alabama. And yeah, they have some good pieces, but they're not going to hurt you as bad as three dudes that can all put you in a very serious bind if you have a corner on an island with any one of them. So can they, you know, they're going to pick their point, pick their spots to bring some pressures. And then can they get after them with four? You know, can they get after them with five? And that, to me, is that's the one thing we really haven't seen because any quarterback, no matter how good they are, if you can get pressure, if you have him running for his life, can Michigan do that? You know, I, I do think Washington has just been overlooked all season long. They've answered every single time. I think they're, I think they're physical. You know, I think they're p- portrayed as, and it's because their defense isn't real good statistically. They put up a bunch of points, so I think there's this perception that, oh, they must be a finesse team, but they match physicality with Oregon. They matched it with Texas. Like, they're not, they're not timid, so I don't think they're going to be intimidated by Michigan. And they're, another they're thing, physical. too. No, sorry. Another thing is, like, you talked about, they got six or whatever sacks on Jalen Monroe tonight. Nobody can sack Michael Penix. Right. So, like, can Michigan, like, even if Michigan gets that pressure – can they bring Penix down? Because nobody to this point has really been able to do it. He just kind of 
Like he's standing here and then somehow he's over here and he gets he's away from the pressure. Release. Yeah. He can fling it. He just yeah, flicks he, it. Well, he's got the Bugs Bunny pitcher wind up, but the release is really quick once he gets it going. So it's it is going to be fascinating. I can't wait to watch this game. And also, I mean, Alabama fans will take this as anti-SEC hate. So we'll all I'm just happy that we're going to have a first time champion in the playoff era, no matter what. That is the that's like for me with Alabama losing the game. That was the one thing is like, we're going to have a new champion. This is this is something that doesn't typically happen. It's always one of these two or three teams But we're going to have a first time champ. And I think that adds a layer of excitement to this game, which kind of adds to why we really don't know what to expect, because one of these teams is supposed to be getting the hell beat out of it by an SEC team next week. That's how it usually goes. I think they're going to have to have Penix play another just incredible game, right? Like that seems obvious. You, you need your studs to be studs. It did feel like Texas got close tonight. Like they did get pressure on him. And there were a couple plays that he made that he deserves credit for making. But like Texas was kind of Nat's ass away from getting him, man. And, you know, we'll see if Michigan can do that. Michigan is a little bit better off the edge. Texas mm-hmm. does not have great edge rushers. I also think Michigan in the secondary is probably a good bit better than Texas, but definitely a little bit better, like like at, at, at minimum. But we don't really know what's the best passing attack they faced. Ohio State, right? Which we didn't love the quarterback this year. Obviously, the receivers we do love uh, quite a bit. So how well can they simulate that in practice, right? I don't know. Uh, I thought they could simulate Bama in practice pretty well. It's Smash Mouth. They have Alex Orgy, who's actually a pretty, like, they were uniquely prepped to have a Mm -hmm. good approximation of Milrow in Orgy. Like, not a good thrower, not a good thrower. Huge, fast, good runner. Okay, yeah. Well, we we, we can have you, for for scout team purposes, you know, pretty good. I'm curious to see what kind of edge pressure Michigan can get, and can you make Penix hold the ball? Like, I think Washington is physical, but I think the way they get, like, they knock you down is that you're flat-footed, right? Because you're not really sure what they're going to do. They give you so many different looks. You're not you're not really attacking and dictating. Like it felt like Texas never dictated defensively. So can Michigan find a way to dictate and make Washington uncomfortable? I, when Washington's on, nobody really does it to them. We've no. seen their their floor, but like their ceiling also increasingly looks awesome every single week. Uh, Texas did move Washington with the run game. So if I'm Michigan. I am kind of licking my chops at that. I'm like, all right, I think there's something to be had here. Um, so definitely yeah. a slower pace game without how the, like Washington and, and you're keeping so the Michigan. ball. Like when you're a tempo team like Washington is, you want possessions. You want to be on the field. You're sitting over there feeling hopeless on the sideline. If Michigan's running the ball, I'm with you, bud. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't you know, the line I, I, at minus five right now. Is it? Yeah. I think right, it opened think. at four and it went up to five. It'll be like, well, you mentioned the Michigan run game. Like, I'm wondering if Donovan Edwards will show up because <laughs> Donovan Edwards was mostly anonymous and invisible in the game tonight. He only had what? Let me see here 11 yards on four carries. And like, what's been really good about Michigan's rushing attack all year is that they have Corum and Edwards and they kind of go between them and they're able to, you know, that's how they've been able to kind of build and sustain that pressure on opponents is that they'll they'll wear you down with Corum for a little bit and they go rest him and they bring in Edwards. They didn't have that tonight. I think that kind of stunted what they were trying to do offensively, particularly in the third quarter. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, I think we got to eight minutes. Woo! 
<laughs> All right, well, fine. I want to say one more thing. Hanging out with us. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tom. This is just I, I tweeted earlier. I says that there, I have a thought. I believe it, but I'm too scared to say it publicly. So I'll just say it on the show. Roma Dunze is better than Marvin Harrison, and I would draft him before Marvin Harrison. And I think he will have a better NFL career than Marvin Harrison. And if he was named Marvin Harrison Jr., everybody would agree with me. Or if he played at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to get that off my chest. I've been feeling it for a while. Uh, no show tomorrow. Right. And then I think we are back. <laughs> we have a show Thursday. Uh, that would be the tomorrow theme. Tuesday, right? What day is today? I don't know what day it is anymore. <laughs> Monday, tomorrow Tuesday. Wednesday is there a show? Because I'm traveling Wednesday. I'll be back Thursday if we do have a show Thursday. Yeah, I I'll, think we have a show on Wednesday and Thursday. I'm out for the Wednesday because I have the Under Armour stuff. But I'll um, be there. There you go. Tom, hold it down, man. All right, I got a radio. Hey, show hit the like hours. button. Subscribe. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, two, two pretty fun. Happy stuff. New Year. Happy New Year. B1G. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.